OG. Hold the phone. Oh, this is an unscheduled surprise. It's him. And um, this young man has had a very trying rookie season. What with the litigation, the notoriety, his subsequent deportation to Canada, and that country's refusal to accept him. If you're a man, you don't cry about it. If you're a real man, you never go down, you just stay up. It's the toughest show in the league podcast. Oh, it's Tom Eddie Shore. Old time hockey? It's on old time hockey. You're ruining it. And from mile 40, Saskatchewan, where he now runs a donut shop. Nowhere in my contract does it say I gotta make a fool out of myself, am I right? Because when I yank it out, everybody in that audience, with the exception of my wife, is gonna be running for the exits. Our lines are open. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Toughest show in the league. Welcome in week whatever, uh, show whatever. I forget all that information by now. I think we're on show seven. That's how we do things around here. Who gives a shit? Let's just get it rolling. That, ladies and gentlemen, is Reed Lowe. What an intro. Uh, and also with us, as always, NHL.com, beat writer. You know him, you love him. Lou Korak. How have you been? It's been a while, but not too long. Lou, we already heard from Losey there, so let's see, uh, let's see what's up with you. How you been, buddy? <laughs> Well, first of all, nobody loves me. I, because I always sell. I, I, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm just rude. I guess I don't know. I, I, I t- anytime I'm around a group, they're like, "Why are you so quiet?" And I just go, "Cause I hate people." You know? <laughs> so, there you so, go. I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody loves me. So. I mean, let's just get that out of the way. But other than that, everything's all cool, man. You know, and it's funny, as we segue over to uh, NHL enforcer, Blues alumni, Reed Lowe, he's a guy who beat people up for a living, but there are few people in the world that I know that actually like people as much as Reed Lowe. He is one of those guys that... Uh, he and Cam both. I, I we're going to be at Top Shooters on Friday. We're going to tell you about Lozy's event here in just a little bit. But he's one of those guys that makes everyone feel like they're uh, in the locker room with him in the Blues locker room, talking pucks. And we're lucky enough to have him here every week. Lozy, how you doing, bud? Oh, I can't complain. But don't ever compare me to Cam Jansen. Oh, here we go. There we go. There we go. Cam Cam Jansen couldn't hold my jock strap. Oh boy! Yikes! There we go. There we go. Here well, we you go. always well, say middleweight and, and heavyweight, of, right? At the end of the day, if we we've had him and I've had this argument before, it's not a big deal. Great kid, great St. Louis, and does great things. I love and respect that man more than you know, not many, but a few. Uh, <laughs> Do we but call I'll him Eurekan? I was well, going to say he is a Eurekan. He's yeah, a Eurekan. Yeah, yeah, he's Eurekan. Eurekan. Well, he is Eurekan he's, in Eurekan. He's in the hoity-toity <laughs> part. He's in the por- hoity-toity like part say, now, though. I would just like to say that, you know, Cam's a, the toughest middleweight I've ever met in my life. There you go. But, you know, but he's not a, he's go. not a heavyweight. He had some bouts with heavyweights. He uh, took some beatings and this, that, and the next thing. But uh, And he and, caught and a few we, guys. It always comes down, and he runs his mouth, and I'm like, Cam? Just get the fight cards out, buddy. And when yours looks like mine, you can talk. Until then, you should sit down and be quiet for the first time in your life. Gosh, you well, are you are talking happen. about one of never my you are happen. talking about one of my closest friends. So I will uh, I will digress on this. Uh, I just want to point out well, something. If he was your closest friend, you'd pig pile because that's what good friends do. There we go. Well, here's what we're gonna do. What would it be like if you finally show up to one of these Blues alumni skates and I stop you eight wow. out of ten, and then like Cam Barry two Hayes on the Blues side? Jeff is gonna have side. a heyday with this. He <laughs> he sends me a text message every morning that says, "Hey, buddy, I got your name on the Wednesday afternoon skate." 
golly darn it, I got wine tastings I got to go to. I can't. There you go. Of course, it's always something, right? But uh, are you guys going to work- set this competition yet, or what? I mean, we've been you've been talking about this for two weeks now. Uh, are, is this going to happen or what? I haven't heard from Losey's people with it, which I think is representative of uh, his attitude towards this event. I don't think he really wants to do it. I think that he's worried um, about my game. I'm, I, you know what? I just happen to have next Wednesday afternoon. So uh, what we should probably do is just go live from the Blues alumni dressing room after I roast the crap out of you and the tits off of you. There and you there's go. nothing left of you except for a sunburn on the back of your neck from the light going on. Well, I need to get some pads. It's been since 2001 since I put any on, but I'll get we, some. The unfortunate we can, we can thing is, some. I've got friends. Uh, the okay. unfortunate part of things is there is a very important uh, thing going on in the county where we all reside, and I am busy making sure democracy reigns supreme at the end of the day. So I have a civic duty that I have to concentrate on first. That's all I can really say about that. Uh, as we don't mention Davey's sounds big boy like, job. Sounds anymore. like he's not answering my people's calls, what sounds like. You know, I was open. Sure I think, was but. open last week. I did not hear from your people regarding your appearance on the show or the shootout challenge. I did not hear from your people. No, I did not hear from them. I did I did send a Let's shout out. Back. You're the one that said that you could stop me eight out of ten times on a shootout. I do think that. Right. I do think that. So you little 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 do you know that a shootout is Probably one of the best skills I had, and I was pretty tough. Well, here we go. I'm just, I'm a confident so, guy. I'm a confident guy. I played with I'm a lot of. And I'm confident too. I think I'm going to score on eight of 10. <clears throat> Do you think, I mean, you forget that, like, um, you know, I probably played with more NHLers in high school than you did, if you think about it. When you talk about the Stasny brothers and Joey Vitale and all the guys that the only made it to I the actually A. played in the NHL. I didn't nope. play with NHLers there you when go. they weren't in the NHL. I was playing <laughs> with those guys while they were in. Show. Right. That's well, the and, difference you and, me. and the difference is in high school, I really wasn't playing them. I was watching. No, you were a fourth string goaltender, and they only had two six, other goalies. Six some days. Six. If the freshman team goalie showed up, I would, didn't even get to practice some days. So yeah, you're freshman. The C team goalie was ahead of you. you see, there you go. It's, it, that's you know, it depends on who was showing up that day. I was the extra guy. So whenever, whenever, and again, I don't want to get too political, but. I'm not sure there's anything civic going on in the county, but if there was, if you were doing something to help it, um, you know, whenever you can get that free moment, you just let me know and I'll clear my schedule because there's about nothing more I'd love. Well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say I'm going to miss the first one. Because I'm going to rip it off your forehead. Well, there you go. If you think that I'm just going to let you do that, you're out of your mind. And you mentioned Jeff Hayes, who was one of my former coaches. He probably is going to be rooting for me. So everyone at Blues alumni that's is going to be lie, rooting Jess, for me. <laughs> so, well, I played for him. So, and uh, I think that's a little bit more important. Anyway, uh, we do have some real hockey to talk about, boys. Lou, what did you have for us? I oh, I was going to say, and that segment of the show, ladies and gentlemen, was sponsored by. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Uh, let's talk some blues, shall we, boys? Uh, an interesting road trip for these uh, St. Louis Blues as they get a lot of points, but I think leave fans wanting a little bit more, Lou. I know that uh, you're locked in, obviously, on a day-by-day basis, whether it be practice games, pregame skates. You're there for all of it. What are you seeing from this team, and how worried are you that they are playing down to the competition in this Honda West division, and specifically – not closing out bad teams. You know what? Um, I'm going to take the high road with this one. Because, there you go, Lou. Well, no, seriously, and you know me. If there's something to be, if there's something to be addressed, I'll do it. Um, but 
Man, I'll tell you what, you were just out in California for 12 days. You took 10 out of 12 points. I think that's, I think from a broad perspective, that's how you have to look at this. And that's, it's a pretty darn good trip. All things considered, yeah, I mean, would it have been great to take 12 out of 12? Sure. Could they have taken 12 out of 12? Yes. Um, but again, you know, we kind of got to go back to what's not there. And you're talking about eight guys that would be in that lineup right now that are not available to this hockey team. So these things are going to happen. Yeah. I mean, do you want to see a blown three to nothing lead against the Kings? No. Should you be beating a bad San Jose hockey team? Yes. Um, was I a little surprised that they started Billy Huso on goal Monday when you know you're going to have three days off? Yes. Um, but again, 10 out of 12 points is a pretty dark. You've been on those trips, Reed. They're not a lot of fun to be on when you're away for two weeks. I mean, after, after a while, I, I, I imagine you guys are ready to get home. And, uh, I know this team was ready to get home, but all things considered, they took a point in every game. And I think that's the way this needs to be looked at. I, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how we're not looking at it in any other way. <laughs> Just with the injuries and you know the undisciplined natures that we've seen at the beginning of the season, that I think we've the, the team has kind of gotten themselves under control a little bit. If 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 you were to tell a hockey team with their full lineup they're going on a road trip and they're going to get nine of twelve points, they would be elated. Like elated, yeah. right? Like, and, and and again, when we talk about what we want to do while we're on a road trip or at home, you want to try and be like seven fifty winning percentage at home. And if you can get, you know, a five hundred winning percentage on the road, you're doing darn good. You know, like that's great for these guys to c- capture ten of twelve points is unbelievable, especially under the circumstances that they've been living with and grinding with. So, um, for me, I'm not sure who's talking about that. I didn't hear. It that but i i'm not engaged as, as much as you guys are but if there's somebody trying to start something like that that'd be like trying to start uh about uh who's gonna be the number one guy because he got the start in san jose with three days off like lou said like we all know that's not it you got to be really happy to be where they are and jordan billington's the number one goalie so uh the two for me go hand in hand um there's no issues here um, these guys are grinding it out. They've got young players. They've got inexperienced players. They've got guys that were playing with guys that they have, you know, they haven't played with. There's so much going on in this organization right now. Um, COVID, just travel schedules, and just everything that's going on. Uh, if these guys aren't high fiving and drinking beer on the plane ride home, I'm not sure what they were doing. You know, I think the concern from some comes from not being able to close out teams, you know, blowing leads in games. That's okay to get points, but in a playoff game, you lose. You don't get a point. You lose a game, and it's a, it's a, it's a very big negative, okay? So I think it's, it's perfectly normal for fans uh, or media t- types like myself to be uh, fairly concerned that this team has trouble closing out bad teams and keeping a W on the board because when the playoff rolls around, ro- playoffs roll around, or even better, how about this, 21 of the next 30 against Minnesota uh, uh, Colorado uh, and Vegas, you you better be able to close some teams out. If you can't close out bad teams, what are you going to do against those teams that bring it every single night with a talent level that's uh, representative of where they are in the standings, as opposed to a San Jose or, or an LA? I am willing to to give a little bit on the circumstances that you guys described as far as the injuries, because obviously you're missing too many key guys there. One of them being uh, your best defensive defenseman in Colton Pareko. Obviously, you're getting great contributions from guys like Folk and and now Krug starting to come around too, as you see 
and you're seeing how dangerous he can be moving the puck, and boy, is that exciting. But uh, missing a guy like Colton Pareko is 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 altering. It's it's game changing for a team like that, especially. Uh, how many times have you heard a guy like our Chiefs say that uh, the most important time uh, that the Blues can use a guy like Pareko is right after they get out of a power play? You know, because they know the other team's going to come at them with everything they got, so they can stick Pareko out there, and he's going to lock everything down. You look at what he can do with his reach. So obviously, I think that those circumstances are extenuating, and I think that it's going to be a problem for any team to overcome the the talent loss that the Blues have had. So I'm not willing uh, to blame, you know, or to burn this whole thing up and act like the sky is falling, obviously. I do think that there are circumstances, and I think that, you know, obviously there is some some reason for concern there because, again, in the playoffs, you are going to lose that game. You're not, you're, you're not going to get a point out of it. But at the same time, I think you're seeing a, uh, a guy at the top in Craig Berube uh, and and Lou will start with you here, but I think you're seeing a guy with a steady hand, and I think I'm I'm really really happy and and you know I don't want to say satisfied, but because uh, it's not really my place to be satisfied. But uh, I don't know that I have uh, any critiques for Craig Berube right now. I think he's playing his hand well. He's had a history of doing that since he took over the team. I think the way he's using Huso right now, and we mentioned that a couple of seconds ago, I think it, the way he's using Huso now is genius. I think it's it's going to serve to to get Biddington motivated. Uh, Lou, I, I think the steady hand of Craig Berube here is going to be what guides them to the playoffs. Well, it's going to have to be because – it was his steady hand that helped guide them to, you know, get on the run that they got on two years ago and uh, ultimately win the whole thing because, you know, he's a player's coach, plain and simple, you know. And I think this iron fist that everybody expects to see from him after every loss is probably a good thing that you don't because, listen, I think he understands the hand that he has right now. And he doesn't want to make this – you know, a fragile lineup because he has to go in there with his coaching staff every day. And the names I'm using again here, don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking any of these guys, but he has to go in there now. Could you imagine it at the beginning of the year, him having to go in and talk to his assistants about how they're going to utilize a Dakota Joshua, a McKenzie McEckern, uh, a Nathan Walker, for God's right. sakes. I mean, these guys were taxi squad players at best probably guys that were going to be in the AHL. Maybe McEachern probably gets a sniff because he's had some good moments here. But, I mean, I think he understands the hand that he has right now. This is a different circumstance. You know, when he came in two years ago, he had a full deck, and he understood. There's no excuses here, boys. This this is the lineup that was given to us. This is the lineup that should be performing. Well, that's – that's not the case right now, just because of all the guys that we've mentioned that are out of the lineup. And I think that'll change once they start getting some of these guys back and you start, you know, filling in some positions here uh, that, that's going to strengthen this team that, well, then you're going to expect things to be better. But all things considered, guys, they're still up at the top of the division and doing it with the hand that they have. I, I think he's doing a good job. I don't know about you, but I, I think he is. I, I think that without without question he is, and I think that when you take a look at it, when you talk about the steady hand, um, you know, when he took over two years ago, they needed to get their head smacked in, and they needed somebody to tell them no, and they needed to have their ass sat in the bench, and they needed to be healthy scratches, and they needed that. These guys came together, and they won a Stanley Cup, um, and then they've been dealing with COVID for the last year and a half. Now they get back to some level of normalcy, 
which it's not really because obviously the travel schedule and the way the games are playing seven games straight with a uh, with a Phoenix Coyotes team or Arizona Coyotes team is like completely something you've never seen before in your life. And yet he's still maintaining and changing himself and that value to himself and understanding and evolving as a coach, knowing that he's got eight of his players that are in his lineup and he's got a bunch of guys that are taxi squad, basically minor leaguers that are coming in that want the opportunity to show what they can do. Um, and he's found a way to motivate these guys to go get 12, 10 of the 12 points. So, um, you know, if, if they came home with four to 12 points, we'd be talking about how Craig Berube is on the hot seat, right? Well, at the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day, you know, he, he's a guy that has consummately changed himself and done what he's needed to do in order to make his team better. And sometimes that's make that really, really tough call that a coach has to make. And he doesn't want to, when it comes to putting one of his star players in their place or doing the things that he's need to, he's done those things. These guys respect him. Not only the fact that he was an NHL tough guy for 20 years, like, are you kidding me? I did it for 10. I couldn't imagine doing it as long as this guy did having the penalty minutes and fighting and, and, and playing the game the way that he did for as long as he did. It's unbelievable. And so, you know, the wherewithal that this guy has inside of his soul is ridiculous and he's one of the best coaches in the league and the reason why he's one of the best coaches in the league is because he has an empathy for the entire team he knows what it's like to be the superstars he knows what it's like to be the worst player in the team he knows what it's like to be a healthy scratch he knows what it's like to be sent to the minors i would imagine uh he knows what it's like to be um the worst in the team and he also knows what it's like to be one of the most valuable players in the team um especially because tough guys and especially a guy like him that can play the game skate get on the forecheck and be a dominant force in a game of hockey back in the day when the tough guys got to play. So Craig Berube's experience level from a player standpoint is so extensive and, and, and his emotional intelligence is, is so great that I really don't, I, I, he's one of the best coaches I've ever seen. And I, it's, it's really, really cool that the St. Louis blues were lucky enough to land him. And, there's a reason why these guys go through the wall, whether it's the star players or whether it's some taxi squad guy that's lucky to be in the lineup. Every single one of those guys is going to go through the wall for him because they know that he has their back, but he also holds them accountable. And that's a, that's a very, very important thing. And that's why you see a team with 12, eight of their regulars, uh, only 12 of their regulars and eight of their, their regulars not in the lineup coming home on a road trip with 12, 10 out of 12 points. Well, one of my least favorite hockey writers in the entire country, Greg Wisniewski from ESPN. Never been a fan of this guy's work going all the way back to Yahoo. It's just a, it's nothing personal. It's just professionally not a fan, uh, not a fan of, of his takes, not a fan uh, of his view of, of the NHL. I uh, just think he lacks a little bit of perspective overall. But uh, this will kind of prove my point for me. Obviously, you know, you don't want to just point at a guy's work and say, you know, here's here's how we point, uh, poke a million holes in it. But uh, I thought this was telling where he ranks and puts into tiers the coaching hot seats. The uh, He calls it the hot seat index rankings. Who are the candidates to get fired next, right? Uh, these are puff pieces on ESPN, right? This is what ESPN does per se they're they're generating conversation and i don't mind that i, I think these pieces uh, serve a purpose and they get people like us talking on podcasts and radio shows uh, and thank god for it because sometimes it does get monotonous but here's where i do have a problem and, and this is where i think he lacks perspective uh he ranks there, there's tiers the bottom tier ice cold that represents someone who is 
in no fear of losing their job, right? It says whether it's because of their success, their contact, uh, their con, it says contact, but I'm guessing that should say contract, or their team's plan, these coaches can exhale, right? Uh, the, the coaches on this list, Rick Bonus, Rod Brendamore, Bruce Cassidy, uh, John Cooper, Pete DeBoer, uh, Dean uh, Evison, Peter Laviolette, Paul Maurice, Todd McClellan, <laughs> Joel Quinville, Lindy Ruff, Daryl Sutter, Barry Trotz, and Alan Vigneault. Uh, the lukewarm, it's classified as these coaches are safe, dot, 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 maybe. And again, these are in no particular order uh, as far as the tier is concerned, but one of the first names you see is Craig Berube, right? Like, how is this guy in the lukewarm category? To me, it... Uh, it's just dead wrong. And here's what it says. Uh, the coach uh, that led the St. Louis Blues to their first and only Stanley Cup in 2019 is in the second campaign of a three-year contract. He's no longer coasting on the goodwill that moment created, but it would take a real downturn in the Blues' fortunes to see him dismissed before that contract runs its course, like missing the playoffs in the West Division, where the Blues have a 39% chance of qualifying at the moment. <laughs> Uh, okay, if you don't think that guy could coast on winning the first Stanley Cup in 50 years for at least a few more years, you're out of your freaking mind, right, Lou? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Um, and, you know, we don't know each other great, but we've, you know, run into each other, um, you know, at, at the national level. And obviously, I got to know Greg a little bit more during the uh, during the playoffs and during the Stanley Cup run and you know, I'm never one to ever, whether I agree or disagree with you, I'm never, and you can go on my Twitter account and see, I have never, ever questioned anybody's opinion, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but yeah, he couldn't be more wrong on that one because, uh, yeah, Craig Berube is safe. Let's put it that way, plain and simple. There's no, Doug Armstrong's not going to cut him loose. Uh, they can, they can go on and, uh, lose every game the rest of the season and he's not going to lose his job well maybe i don't know maybe that might be a little extreme but you know what you get the point where i'm going with this i craig Bruby's not going anywhere i think you can safely put him in that uh, i don't know five to ten ten name list whatever he had that they're safe no matter what i think he can firmly be entrenched in that group just like you said rap i mean first guy to ever bring a stanley cup to the city i think that's uh that's going to earn you. That's going to earn you something, uh, you know, along the way here. And, and and that's still so fresh. I mean, people people still talk about it. I mean, people are still going to be talking about this 10, 20 years down the line, like it happened yesterday. You know, that's just the facts of life. But uh, yeah, I don't I don't see how he can be doing any better of a job than he that he's done since he's been here. That's just well, it's the St. Louis Blues fans that. Um, keep that you know exactly what you said Lou about how the St. Louis Blues fans are there are, are, are this you know they're going to talk about this forever you know I, I still I've been retired for 14 years I really wasn't even that big of a name and I still have people coming up to me in grocery stores and wherever saying hey how you doing and and the St. Louis fan base is without question the best fan base around there's a reason why we have 45 alumni retired in this town uh, there's a reason the Cardinals players stay here. Heck, there's a reason the Ram some of the Rams players have stayed here. So, um, you know, for me, no, you know, no offense to you guys as guys that are in the media, especially you, Lou, that that does a serious job of writing. But I'm not really sure what this guy's talking about because, really, it, it this it, 
it, this has nothing to do with whether or not Craig Berube won the Stanley Cup in 2019. The fact of the matter is, is Craig Berube just took a team with eight of his regulars out of the lineup on the road for six games and came home with 10 points. How are we even having this conversation right now? I don't get it. So at the end of the day, I, I think sometimes guys try a little bit too hard to try and find a story to talk about because there's nothing to talk yeah. about. But Craig Berube should not be on a list of guys that are – even in smidgenly lo- looking at losing, you know, a position on the team, he, he's extremely respected by Doug Armstrong, who just got named to Team Canada as a general manager. Tom Stillman, who's considered one of the best governors of one of the best ownership groups in the National Hockey League. Like, come on, this guy needs to uh, to figure out where he's at and where he's not at. Because if he thinks he's at Craig Berube, he's getting ready to lose his job. He better uh, start watching some hockey because he isn't watching any. Can I go out on a limb here, fellas, and say that, and I don't know, this might be a biased opinion, but that's just kind of the way I feel. But could could we honestly say that Chief probably has the most secure position right now in the league? I mean, if you look at the 30, you know, the 31 head coaches, 30 head coaches right now, he may be the safest of them all. Yeah, he might be. And at least, and I think it's important to put in perspective the point that the three of us here are making, the, the point of having this little discussion about the piece that Wyshynski did, is that he doesn't have, I think what Lou, you said the safest, what I'd be willing to go with is is at least ranked as one of the safest, right? Which means it's in that tier. He should be in the For safest sure. tier. He shouldn't even be in the second from bottom tier. Uh, to be fair to Greg, he does go on to say that, uh, you know, he, he thinks that given the, the injuries and the truncated season that Ruby would be safe, maybe even if they did lose the, uh, lose the, an opportunity to play in the playoffs, didn't finish top four in that division. But again, the point of the conversation is, uh, that he thinks that he's got him classified as lukewarm. This guy's seat is as cold as as ice. (laughs) You're as cold as ice. You know what I mean? Like that. that You couldn't have been more far off on that. So it's it goes to show you. Foreigner tune here. There you go. Cold as ice. I was thinking (laughs) in my head. Also, uh, I was thinking Chappelle show when he tells Rick, "You're as cold as ice, Rick James." Yeah. Um, So yeah, no, I think I think Berube's safe, and I honestly, I I I I worry about where this team would be without a guy like Berube who. Uh, can get the most out of guys that you know we're seeing now uh, a, a Dakota Joshua who's a Baruby type right uh, you you see these guys that just they're they uh, under a different kind of coach these guys would w- wouldn't be I don't want to Losey I don't want to say they wouldn't be any good but they they wouldn't be being as uh, counted on the way that Baruby counts on guys like Dakota Joshua because he knows Dakota Joshua plays the game hard in between the lines. He knows that Dakota Joshua playing center is going to go hard to the net. He's going to drag guys with him. He's going to take eyeballs with him to the net, which uh, I don't think it's talked about enough. Uh, with a guy like Dakota well, it's how he, it's how he scored his first NHL goal in his first yeah, NHL right. game, man. I mean, and I had a couple text messages because everyone was trying to compare it a little bit to my first goal against Patrick Wall, although I think his was a little nicer. But um, <laughs> whatever it is, what it is. But, again, you know – when we're talking about Craig Bruby, the reason why he has the value that he has is because of the way that he is, because of the emotional intelligence that he has for his players and understanding what all of those guys are thinking and how he can bring them all together. And, you know, one of the most important things in that Stanley Cup run was putting Paranko and Bo Meese together and giving Jay Bo Meester the first really defined role that and 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 solid understanding. That was the first time I ever really enjoyed watching Jay Bowmeister play because I always felt like great skater, great this, great that, high draft, 
Olympics, da 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 da, all these different things, Team Canada's, but really just felt like Jay didn't have a purpose on the ice. He really didn't have a coach coaching him. He was just the superstar kid that came out of Medicine Hat in the Western Hockey League, and away he went. And when Craig Berhubi got a hold of him and gave him a defined role, that for me was when Jay Momisha really put himself on the map as a great defenseman. And he had great skills and potential all the way leading up. Even though if you talk to people in Calgary, they weren't super happy with that signing, but that's a whole nother story. Back to Craig Berube, when we take a look at Craig Berube, the way that he can get a player motivated because of the respect level and accountability level that he holds every single player to is why Craig Berube is going to be a successful coach for a long, long time. And the St. Louis Blues should not be in any type of hurry to do anything except continue to allow him to develop the talent that he's developing and get the talent that is already developed and the superstar level talent to play the way that they had because Vladimir Tarasenko didn't play the way Vladimir Tarasenko needed to play to be a superstar NHL champion until Craig Berube got a hold of him. So, Well, you I mentioned agree. him, Lozy. We'll bring him up now. I had him saved for a little bit later in the segment, but you had such a nice segue, and we know you're such a big Tarasenko fan that we'll talk about the return <laughs> Here of we go number again. 91. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, I think. Uh, the Blues' uh, best pure score. Uh, maybe uh, Jordan Kyrou might have something to say about that. But I, I just, it didn't take long for me, Lou, uh, for for me, Lou, to see just what we were missing without Vladimir Tarasenko in this lineup. Uh, it's just fun to watch him. Uh, there seems to be a little bit of a chemistry forming, uh, as they mentioned on the broadcast. I've seen it uh, over the last two games uh, with he and Krug, and, and they seem to be really good yep. finding each other. They've got something going there. Uh, it, boy, it, it, he's taking some contact. He's getting some shots off. He almost had the game winner in overtime that first game back. Uh, Lou, what are you seeing? How nice is it to have 91 back in the lineup if you're a St. Louis Blues fan? Well, it's a game changer. I mean, let's – Let's be quite honest here. It's um, you always hear, and, and and I go back to uh, I go back to Hitch because he's one of my favorite guys of all the coaches that I've ever dealt with. Uh, he he's always the one that kind of opened my eyes about players that that can score from distance, and he those are those are rare finds in the game anymore. And you know I don't I don't know how. Tarasenko is going to be here moving forward, but he has always been a player that can that can score from uh, anywhere on the ice, really score from distance is, what, is how Hitch used to like to put it. And that's that's going to be, you know, you have you have that sort of a m mindset with a Mike Hoffman out there, but it just doesn't seem like that he's gotten the puck in those specific areas often enough. Uh, you've seen it, but now that you can add a Tarasenko in there, it's going to make it even more dangerous for this hockey team. And I thought, to be honest with you, you know, you expect the, you know, to him come in and start scoring some goals and picking up some points here. But I think the best test for me was the fact that he came in against the Kings and Drew Doughty was shadowing him. Because you know Drew Doughty's not gonna Drew Doughty's not gonna powder puff him around. Okay. And Drew Doughty was popping him around and he came out of it okay. And yeah, rapper, you're right. It was a shame that he didn't score that game winner and uh you know he put the onus on himself which you know every player is going to do but you could tell the puck was uh not really in a spot it was rolling it was bouncing he, he couldn't quite catch it correctly um and then you know to me Braden Shen makes a uh, a risk reward type of a play when he tries to dive in there and miss when you miss the puck in a three-on-three -three, that's almost a death knell but uh 
I thought th- he's played well, uh, you know, two games. It's kind of hard to judge right now. I don't think people can expect him to come in and just light it up like he did in his uh, rookie debut when he, what, scored twice against Detroit back in 2013 in that lockout year. But, Lou, uh, sorry to interrupt, Lou. Do you remember the the, That's post, fine. the post game when he, he just didn't speak any English and we were literally playing no. charades with the guy? We were we, yeah. we were literally playing charades with Vladimir Tarasenko after his first game yeah. because of that lockout. He got in late. He got in right before the season or right before camp started. And I'll never forget me, you. Uh, there was uh, Willie Springer was there. Jr. was there. Obviously the the whole crew, but the, the guys that were first in there talking to him. We literally had to play charades. We were like, you know, score goal. You score goal tonight. That's yeah. good, right? And he's like, <laughs> uh, yes, I score. Goal. I, mean, I felt so bad. The kid couldn't speak English, and he was he was he was the first one that they gave us at the post game. Obviously, that's who everyone wanted to talk to, and the the look in that young kid's eyes when we all just flocked towards him with microphones yeah. extended. That was a crazy moment, man. Of course. But, I mean, it's great to have him back. They need him back, you know. And uh, like I said earlier, I just wanted to see him get bumped around. And, and Reed, you know as well as I do, if you know a guy is coming back and you're playing, you know a guy's coming back that's had shoulder issues, you know damn well you're going to go in and you're going to pop him any chance you get. And Drew Doughty was bumping him around pretty good. And Tarasenko even said it. He goes, you know, he's one of the best defensemen in the league. I think we've, we've done this for, for eight years now. So I, he didn't want to directly say it, but I think that was the best thing that could have happened for him is to have a big, tough, strong guy, a strong defenseman like that shadow him around and knock him around because I think it took a lot of that mental, that mental thought process of what's that first hit going to feel like. And I think he came through it with flying colors. I did a radio show um, before uh, Vladdy came back and um, they asked me if people were going to go after him. And, and they actually asked me if I would have gone after him. And I, and I said, and Cam gave me all kinds of crap for this, but um, <laughs> I, I said, I would go after him as if I would do anything else. I'm not going to maliciously go after him for his shoulder injury, but I'm going to put him into the boards as I would anybody else. And, yeah. you know, for me, Vladimir Tarasenko, is one of the most dangerous scorers, you know, of his generation. Without question, the guy's got a shot that's going to be put down in the history as legendary. You know, where he really understood the game and figured the game out was when he understood that he had to work as hard as the skill the skill level is, right? And that's the one thing that guys with high levels of skill have the biggest challenge with because most of their life they can go through with 75, 80, 85% and they're still the best of the best. But when you get to the NHL and you want to be a Stanley Cup champion, you got to figure that out. And, you know, for me, I'm ecstatic that he did that. And I was one of his biggest critics. But it doesn't mean I don't enjoy watching the guy. It doesn't mean I don't enjoy cheering him on. I just felt that he had more to give. And I'm glad that, you know, for two years, I was the only one that saw it. And then finally, everybody else started seeing it. And then all of a sudden, he got called out. And then he responded and he did what he was supposed to do. And, you know, for me, when I take a look at Vladimir Tarasenko coming back to the St. Louis Blues, especially after multiple soldier surgeries and everything else, you know, and then them having the injuries that they had, it couldn't have come out any better because he's going to come back in a time when their need is so high for him. And the one thing that could potentially happen if all the other players were back is they would hold him back and then, uh, insecurity and confidence levels would come in. He's going to get an opportunity to play in every single position, every single opportunity out on the ice, which is where he should be. Um, and I just feel like if you had your whole team there, um, obviously the St. Louis Blues are extraordinarily deep. 
Um, you might be able to hold that back and you might be able to hold him back a little bit. But uh, like I agree with Lou, you know, the fact that the other team's best defenseman and a guy that's one of the best players in the league with Dowdy been on multiple, you know, Olympic teams and, you know, world junior teams and everything under the sun have been a perennial all-star defenseman in the National Hockey for a long time. You know, that's the guy that he gets targeted with, right? Because Vladimir Tarasenko is still dangerous. His shot didn't get worse because he had shoulder surgery. So for me, it's great for them to have him back. It's a little bit of a perfect storm for Vladdy because he's going to be able to kind of work his way in and they need his ice time. They need his minutes right now. And, you know, I'm not exactly sure what his minutes were over the last couple of games, but I think that um, you're going to see those steadily increase. And he's a guy that's always played a lot of minutes. So his body has muscle memory that comes along with that. So it's going to take him less time to get back into game shape than it might take somebody else. I'll tell you what, it's, it's an immediate effect on the power play. I, I can see that, that they inserted him there and he's been effective. And I think when you have two shooters like Hoffman and Tarasenko, uh, anytime you play them together, uh, it's going to be dangerous. But what it does is it spreads that shooting out over your top six. Obviously, you're going to get healthy. Uh, and I'll, I'll mention him here real quick. I think a guy they really, really miss is Tyler Bozak for a lot of reasons, but he just does everything well and fits with anybody you put him with. And uh, just an under under the radar guy that I think is is just completely. I, I know he gets paid well. He makes his five million bucks, and and you know he's he's gonna probably uh, either take a pay cut or not be here after this year because they're gonna have to sign other guys. But I do think they miss him. But when I look at this top six with what they have now, I really 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 like the idea of ninety one playing with Jordan Cairo. I, I like the idea of letting him use his speed on one side of the ice uh, to create space for a guy like Tarasenko on the other. If you compare those guys with Ryan O'Reilly at center, and you've got a guy who's always playing with his head up, always moving his feet in the middle of the ice, and you know what's really, really important about a guy like Ryan O'Reilly playing with 91 and 25 is is what he can do on the defensive side of the ice to kind of relieve a little bit of that pressure as, t- as well. Uh, I, I think... Uh, 91 playing with 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 O'Reilly and Cairo is a perfect fit. Uh, Lozy, when you look at the the line formation of that top six, uh, would you have put Hoffman with Tarasenko and tried to load up with shooters, or would you have done what I just described, which, which is obviously what Peruvi did, and let that uh, fast winger and that that passing first center kind of be there to support Tarasenko? It's funny because you were just talking about Hoffman and Tarasenko and their opposite shooters. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if they played their off wings um, with a passing centerman, what could happen, right? Like talk about danger on both sides and what kind of chemistry could be there. You know, I feel like Hoffman's a guy that's trying to find his way on the St. Louis Blues roster. Um, And I really feel like a lot of the attention for a goal scorer guy like him that's come in, that's under scrutiny, making $4 million a year, one-year deal, probably left some money on the table like a Patty Maroon did a few years ago in order to come and play for the St. Louis Blues. There's some scrutiny on him right off the bat. He hasn't scored a lot. He's not, you know, doing whatever. But to bring in a guy like Vaddy and – or to not bring him in, but to get him back, and it could help take some of the pressure off of him. Um, so it would be interesting to see what happened if they did play those guys and if they put them on their off wings even more because I just think goal scorers are better on their off wing than they are on their four – on their four wing for me, like, you know, you see where Vladdy plays in the power play. And, you know, I think that for me, it would be really cool to watch that happen. Um, whether or not it happens, I'm not sure. 
I think Craig Bruby's going to be smart with this, and he's going to try and find some chemistry for uh, Tarasenko right off the bat. So if it's not that line, then you're going to see different combinations until um, Vladdy gets comfortable because I think it's extremely important that they get him engaged in the game. Um, one thing I'd like to just kind of fill in on, on Vladdy is the toughest part about him coming back with what's happened to him with his shoulder and the injuries that he's had with it, and, and again – I was on a radio show where they were talking about, are they going to target him? Are they going to target him? And the Who's one thing that I said show? is... Whose radio show are you talking about? Uh, Cusimano. Oh, nice. I was wondering. I was, you know, they're all my buddies, yeah. so I was wondering. Who's, yeah, yeah. who's yeah, stealing... No, I love, I'm on Frank's show. I, I hope you I plug the podcast show. is what I'm... Is my next question yeah. is I hope you plug the podcast. I, I, you know, we get, he gets me going on, like... So many different things. I, I typically don't think about it. But you know what? Note to self, I'm going to mention yeah, that. And I'll, time. And I'll give Frank we're a lucky. call. Maybe you can put, put him on the on the feed here. And, and uh, maybe he can uh, he can listen to this and be happy with it. But just to get back to Vladdy, I told him when he asked me that question, I said, listen, I'm not worried about somebody targeting Vladimir Tarasenko and what happens if that happens. I'm worried about Vladimir Tarasenko's mindset and what's going to happen for him if he plays hesitant. Because you cannot play hockey hesitant. You definitely can't play in the NHL hesitant. And if he was to come back and have any level of hesitancy at all, that's where he's going to get hurt. You don't have to worry about, you know, targeting a guy, hit, you know, doing that kind of stuff. If you're scared, you're your worst own worst enemy. Lou, uh, talking about the other line there, uh, I don't think it's a true blue first and second line. I think the Blues obviously always have some depth there. But uh, I really like your guy, Shen, with Hoffman. I, I kind of go the opposite way of Lozy. I, 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 I wouldn't mind seeing those two shooters get together. I'll save it for the power play, though. But uh, I really like the game uh, that, that Mike Hoffman has had ever since being paired with your guy, Braden Shen. Well, I think Braden Shen could um... – really make anybody look good the way he plays. He can play with the Dixie Chicks and make them score. <laughs> <laughs> and Perron's helping too. You don't want to separate O'Reilly and Perron, but uh, Perron and, and Shen have been just a, like a, you know, they've been a jump start for, for Hoffman, it seems. Reed, could he turn you into a 20-goal scorer? I think he could. <laughs> I mean, you know what? He would never, ever, ever have to worry about getting in a fight either. I was just going to say, I mean, you know, you've seen Braden Shen at times, and we have seen it not not all that often, but when the time warrants, we've seen him drop the gloves to spark the guys. And I was just wondering, I guess if you're on his line, he doesn't ever have to worry about that ever again. I'd tell him, hey, bud, you stir it up, I'll clean it up. Let's go. <laughs> but no, listen, Braden Shen could, uh, yeah, he can make anybody on that team, you know, elevate their game and how would you not want to i mean just watching the way this guy plays i mean what was it a couple of episodes ago that we did i uh, didn't i didn't i go into a, a big diatribe of uh just all the great that we all did just yeah. uh, how big a player he is and uh but you know what rapper i want to kind of get back to your point about Cairo with tarasenko I'm going to disagree with you just a little bit on this because I think the jury is still out. And I only say that because it's only been two games because I've watched Cairo in these last two games and it seems like he's deferred a few different oh, yeah. opportunities here just because of 91's presence on the ice. And I think he's got a – he was doing that well playing with Braden Shen and David Perron and, or whoever was on that line uh, at the time. Schwartz, I guess. He was – you know, you didn't see him defer, and that's why he was uh, 
he was going the way he was. But I've, I saw some moments of, of deferring in these last couple of games. And if, and if he can get away from that mindset, I think that line could be okay. But that's why I still think the jury is out because just because of what I saw, it's a small sample size, but I'd like to see him not defer just because 91's on that line. Well, you gotta you got to have a little bit of patience there because I remember when Keith Kachuk got traded to the St. Louis Blues in whatever of 2001, my rookie season, and he basically, you know, they wrote on the board that uh, uh, Keith Kachuk was going to play with Pavel Dimitra and Pavel was playing center. And, uh, you know, Keith grabbed Pavel. I was standing right there. He grabbed Pavel. He's like, Keith, uh, Pavel, you have two rules playing with me. And Pavel's like, oh, yeah, what are they? And uh, he's like, rule number one, give me the puck. Rule number two, don't ever fucking forget rule number one. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not sure if Vladdy told that to Kairou, but the point being is that there might not not been a a better, you know, and I can't say, uh, but it's got to be one of the best chemistry lines maybe in two or three seasons combined with, with Kachuk. Uh, Scott Mellonby and Pavel Dimitra, like those guys yeah. were unbelievable. You know, that like Scott Mellonby got traded as a captain of Florida to St. Louis. And it was like, hey, veteran guy, don't know if he's going to play anymore. And it completely revitalized him as a hockey player. And he had played another three years after that. So uh, I think actually he played even more than that after that. Because, uh, but at the end of the day, for me, it's a, uh, I think we need to just take a deep breath with the whole Cairo Vladdy thing. Because with, Without question, without a million percent question, Kairu looks at Vladdy Tarasenko and he's like, man, this guy's a superstar in the NHL. Like, I That's came into the NHL right. and I remember seeing that when I saw Al McKinnis and, and Brett Hall and Chris Pronger and the guys. And and then all of a sudden you get on a line with them and you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and even though um, Kairu's came in and he's really had a good, strong presence with them and he's had a great start to a season and he's playing extremely well. You look over at 91s there, it's going to give you a little bit of butterfly. So it's been only been two games. Um, I, I hope they give that one a little bit of a time. I hope they let those guys marinate a little bit because I think that's really important to allow Kairou to become comfortable uh, playing with 91. Yeah, I think it's – especially when everybody gets healthy, there is going to be some firepower uh, in the top nine. I think the Blues are going to be a team uh, – most teams you refer to the top six. I think when everybody gets healthy and if they're – able to ride out this storm and, and get to the playoffs, which I do think they will, uh, you're going to have some firepower in the top nine, man. I, obviously, you're going to have a lot of skill, but then you're going to be able to pack a punch on that fourth on that fourth unit the way you did in 2019 because the guy I'm going to talk about next is, is over-delivered. I didn't give this guy enough credit when I was filling out lineup cards, fictional lineup cards before the year started. Losey, I'll start with you because I know he's your kind of guy. I'm sure you saw what he did in warm-ups uh, two nights. Or was it yeah, last night, Monday night? Or no, two nights ago because it's Wednesday now. Uh, Monday night, Kyle Clifford. And, uh, you know, obviously, um, Jean-Paul Gabriel, I think is the name, right, Lou, if I'm saying that? Curtis Gabriel. Curtis Gabriel, yeah, I'm sorry. I was... I was mistaking him for one of, uh, you know. Uh, you're not French. Right. That's what I'm not I was, sure I, what you're trying to do yeah, there. But I don't you're know. about as far from a French guy as I've ever seen. I've never you learned know, his, so his settle name. Settle down a little bit. Would well, you with your accents? I've never uh, I've never learned his name because I always just knew him as the guy Vince Obviously, Dunn. Obviously, not- you, you went into being a French Canadian for crying. 
I got the last like, name. The I got the last name correct. <laughs> I just but... remember him as the guy that got co-cocked by Thank Vince you. Dunn. There you go. That's how I remember him. I never needed to learn his name because all I oh. knew was the guy that Vince Dunn knocked out cold in the hallway who had about six inches on him, and Vince Dunn just let the guy have it. I always said that's when Baruby knew that Dunn was going to be somebody, when he knocked that guy out cold. You know Baruby's sitting there on the bench because uh, I've seen that highlight before, but uh, when it happens... That's one of the few times I've seen Chief laugh. Right? Well, it, they show the guys, and, and the way it was set up in the Chicago arena, it was happening. They had it on the big screen. Everyone could see it. So the guys on the bench were able to see Vince Dunn knocking him out, uh, and that was a great, great moment. But uh, obviously, I'm sure you saw the moment in warm-ups last night. Gabriel... Uh, you know, making his presence felt and Clifford, uh, Cliffy, make sure he gets right back in the face of Gabriel, just follows him up and down center ice uh, through warm ups, and they're just yakking each other the entire time. And then, obviously, first time uh, they're on the ice together, the gloves fly. And obviously, it's Gabriel responding to what Bennington did the last time out. Uh, but how cool is it to have a guy like Kyle Clifford who not only uh, can carry the water? for his teammates when needed, but is also produced on the offensive side. I think his shot's a little bit underrated. I think he gets to the dirty areas and he knows how to finish pucks. Well, I'll tell you, um, first off, having a guy like that in your locker room and on your bench, you know, doesn't suck. And um, I know that because my teammates told me that. Now, there was times when my teammates didn't like me and they told me that too. So you learn from it. You tried to figure it out and tried to make it better, but I'll tell you the one thing that most of us guys that kind of came through junior hockey in the late nineties, early two thousands was we couldn't be a liability on the ice. Um, we had to be able to play. We had to be able to skate. We had to be continually working on our skills. You know, the days of just rolling three lines and then tossing some meat sticks out there every once in a while to fight when it happened to, and having a, a lineup of two or three tough guys on the same team kind of went by the wayside and now we see some teams and the Detroit Red Wings were even doing it. You know, I guess Darren McCarty would be considered a tough guy, but he wasn't, you know, one of those heavyweights that was continually doing it. He was a third line guy that played 16 minutes a game as well against sometimes uh, the team's best players and as well, you know, penalty killed and got extra ice time. So I wouldn't really consider him in that role, but with Clifford, First off, I just love the jawing and warm-up. I'm like, man, I haven't seen that almost since I was playing. So I love the passion of those two guys. I love that they followed it up um, with a fight because it would have, for me, looked a little silly getting that you know, uh, into it and warm-up and then not have the fight. But obviously, both these guys are gamers. They're both tough guys. And that's what's important about the game of hockey. And you know, we miss that in the game of hockey today. And there's more and more guys that seem to be stepping into that role and continuing to play with it. Junior hockey doesn't help because of the fighting rules that they're starting to implement. Um, but fighting in hockey and that protection level in hockey, obviously I'm a little biased, has always been important. But having that guy on the bench and knowing that regardless, there's a guy that's going to go to bat for you has to feel great. Um, and then I couldn't agree with you more. He's scored some nice goals this year. Um, he's a guy that gets in on the forecheck. He plays. He knows when to – he knows the role, the enforcer role, extremely well. Like, I think he plays it maybe one of the best in, in the game. Like, him and Ryan Reeves are both very, very good at playing this role and, and keeping it clean, you know, not taking a bunch of stupid penalties, not taking bad checks, not hitting guys from behind, not being an idiot like Tom Wilson, you know, not doing some of those things that are going to jeopardize your team. And, you know, so I've been extremely impressed with him. Um, you know, he needs to talk to Cam and maybe talk to the guy from Hans Wyman. But oh, boy. Other than that, 
Other than that, I think he's doing <laughs> oh, Whoa. Yeah, shots fired across the bow. Uh, I just go I just shots shave. fired. We're both tough guys. Like We can talk like that. He's going to laugh when he hears this, if he even hears it. You know, I always <laughs> felt bad for Shattenkirk <laughs> when he was here point. for the same reason. I always felt bad because no matter how they would shoot him in post-game press conferences or anything, it was the same hairdo as Clifford's got now. And uh, good for him because he he's been great. Care. I love having he him in the care. blue note. I love having him in the blue note. Um, I haven't had the chance to meet him yet. I hope I get a chance to, but I thought he's been awesome. Um, I think he's been a great addition to this hockey club. And again, this goes back to St. Louis Blues management and Doug Armstrong understanding that having a, some toughness on the bench is something that's still important in the game of hockey. Lou, you know what, though, Reed? Do you know, you know something, though? He's probably going to have to bite the bullet on Friday and fight Ryan Reeves. You know that's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. I hope so. I would. And you know what? Hey, it's not about winning, man. It's about showing up. Ryan Reeves is a former St. Louis Blue guy. You know, they're there's you know they're gonna they're gonna have their words, especially at it. You know, so it's what it's what the game misses. It's what the game needs. It's what the fans want. It's what you know. So I hope I hope they don't you know. Um, you know, walk away from it and not get engaged in it. I hope they do it. And you know what? If he ends up on the bottom of the pile, you got big stones for dropping the gloves with Ryan Reeds in today's day and age in the NHL. He's one. Of, he is the heavyweight champion in the league. You drop the gloves with the heavyweight champion, man. You got my respect. So those, there's there's got to be an answer for what Stone did, doesn't there? Has right. to. Yeah. Has to. Lozy. Uh, so it go the line of progression goes. You DJ King. Then Cam, then Revo, correct? Yeah. Is, is that the lineage there? That's the lineage with so he's uh, your great great uh, twi- fighting twist and chase right before me. Right. All right. So how about that? You know, so, it's, it's so crazy. How about, how about how about this? And I don't know. I think Revo's from Ontario. Or no, he's from Winnipeg actually. Because his yeah. dad played for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Right. Right. Um, but we got we got Chase, uh, Twist, Chase, Low, King, Cam, Revo. Four of those guys are from Saskatchewan. One's from St. Louis, and one's from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Western Canadian kids don't mess with them. I'm telling you what, and I'll tell you what, Cam's a, a mighty fine addition to that group as well. You he know? is. I love really, Cam. really, and I know you like to give him trouble, but uh, I, if I'm not making fun of Cam, I don't really have a purpose in life. That's fine, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. That's how it works, you know. And, and Cam's like he would rather you make fun of him than him have oh, to like. Speak. Yeah, yeah, he, he loves it. it. Well, are you kidding me? Every time I walk into Top Shooters on Friday afternoon and he's standing there on his radio show, he's like, man, Losey's lost lots of weight. I'm like, really? That's it? That's all? Well, yeah. thank well you, you don't go to skate anymore, so, so how, how does anybody know? Uh, Lou, obviously, we know that uh, when everybody's healthy, that top nine that we spoke of is spoken for. One of those spots on the uh, fourth line is going to be taken by Kyle Clifford, obviously, but... You've got some emergence here from some guys that you didn't see coming necessarily, and it's because of this injury situation. But uh, where does this? How does this lineup fill uh, fill out? It looks like you're going to have two spots and about four or five guys vying for them. Uh, how do you think this thing shakes out? Well, listen when when the injured guys are ready to come back, they're going to come back in the lineup. Let's let's just make no bones about that. But the best thing for this is is the guys that are playing now. This is incredible experience for them. I mean, again, no disrespect to Dakota Joshua, but did you did you guys even think of his name going into the season? I'm asking you guys that, an honest question. No. Did you guys even think of his name going into the season? Nope. I'd never heard of him. Think about that's, it. I'd never heard of him. All 
and, and, and I should know more because, you know, as somebody that covers the team, the only thing I remembered from him was the fact that they, they traded for him for right. future considerations, from Toronto. which to me always spoke of the other team just didn't want you. They just wanted to get rid of you for whatever, for a jock strap or for, for, for an old pair of shoes. I don't know, but um, nobody knew who he was at the time. You trade him for future considerations, and you knew that he played at Ohio State. That's really all I knew of him. I didn't know what kind of a game he had, what kind of a game that he played. And that's something, considering he played at a Big Ten school, you would think somewhere on, along the line that maybe I would have seen him, but I never have. But when I saw him right away, I'm thinking, man, this this is a Baruby kind of a player. I mean, he's not afraid to get involved, mix it up, get in front of the net, which is which the kind of players that Chief is looking for. Because like like you said earlier, Reed, look how he scored his first goal. They don't ask you they don't ask you how they went in. It as long as it went in. And it went in. How many? Yeah. Yeah. People don't ask me how I scored my first goal. They're just like, You scored your first goal on Patrick Wall. Like, yeah. yeah, not a big deal. Backhand shelf. Forget about it. That's pretty awesome. It's pretty effing awesome that you did that, honestly. It really, really is. Yeah. I, I told this to Frank the other day. We were talking about it. Uh, it was my dad's birthday, too. Wow, that's pretty dope. That's November pretty awesome. 9th, 2000, I scored my first NHL goal in my ninth NHL nice. game. Nice. And as a kid, I disliked no goaltender more than Patrick Waugh. So I'm so happy that that happened because I – I couldn't stand Patrick Waugh, and I never could. It was it was fun watching Mike Vernon beat the crap out of him. Oh god! And my dad—I did not expect that. I did not expect that. By the way, my dad was a huge he was Ken good, Dryden though, fan. You gotta admit, man. He oh yeah, he was gosh. amazing. Guy was—he's uh, ridiculous. Another he's level. The best goaltender to ever play game. Uh no, no, he's without not. question, he's not the best goaltender to ever play a game. Are you kidding Who me? Who is? Who is? Well, I can think of a couple right off the top of my head, but number one, All Dominic right, Oshik. I knew you were going to go there. Dominic I knew you Hasek. were going to pick Dom. Unbelievable. Why? Unbe- no one stopped more pucks than Dominic Hasek. He played on terrible teams. He literally drugged that Buffalo team to the Stanley Cup final and almost beat a Dallas team that could have been as loaded, that, that was as loaded as any Detroit team I've ever seen, minus the one with uh, the last Cup team where it just got ridiculous and they bought everybody that last year. I guess it was 2002 right, or so whatever he, it was. So, so he goes and plays on those unbelievable Detroit teams and wins three Stanley Cups or two or whatever it is, and now he's this illustrious goaltender for you? Like, come on. Oh, come yeah, on. he was a good Look what he did at Nagano. Look at what he did ever. at Nagano. He, the generation. I don't like comparing. Again, I, I'll have to say generation. We said forever and all hey, time. No That's offense, a little bit different, but Marty Berdur is better than Hasek. No. Hasek's not even second on the list. No. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. You gotta look know. at numbers, buddy. How do no. we go from me talking about Dakota Joshua to you guys <laughs> arguing yeah, about Patrick Waugh? Oh, oh, oh. That is that is ADD and it's finest. Right there now. you go. There you go. That's because anytime anyone mentions goaltenders, it's uh, it sends me into a tizzy. Uh, because you Joshua suck. ever listens to this, he's gonna remember that he yeah, put pumped in the same breath with Patty Roy and uh, Dom Hasty and Marty Brodeur. So, oh, well, oh, I remember how we got we, here. We got Rosie here was patting we himself on the back for scoring against Patrick Waugh. That's how we got here. <laughs> hey, listen. You know what? I will accept the pat in the back there. Like, that's Patty Waugh. Well, and I, he got a, he heard the footsteps coming. And he I'll heard buy the you low beer. train coming. He wanted nothing to do with it. <laughs> like Tom I said. I said that. 
I remember watching it as a kid live, and I remember being like, "Read low, just put one in on Patrick freaking Wah." I I was think I was in like the eighth grade or something like that. So yeah, it was okay. Rapper, I'm going to answer your time. question here now. Go it ahead. went all over the place, but no, this is good that these guys have gotten this experience. I mean, think about it. Chief is going into that locker room and talking to everybody here, including those guys, including Nathan Walker and McKeckern and Sammy Blay and Zach Sanford, who is your third-line center right now. Right. Let's not forget that. Zach Sanford is your third-line center right now. Um, he is going into the locker room and telling these guys, keep us above water. Keep us above water until we can get some of these injured guys back. And they're doing a pretty good job of it right now. Um, and they're gaining great experience along the way. And you mentioned Kyle Clifford. It's just it's it's great to have a guy, a veteran guy who just played his 700th game the other night, mind you, mm -hmm. um, to tutor, to nurture, to bring these guys along, and to help guide them through what's been a pretty tough stretch. And that's why these guys. Um, I don't know how unprecedented this has been, but they've had the last two days off. I think after coming up with what they came up of. Usually don't see that very often, but I, I just think it's been very good experience for these guys to be able to go through this situation and to understand what life in the NHL and how tough things can be. Because this, you know, if these guys want a job later on and in the future, whether it's here or somewhere else, uh, they're gonna they're gonna draw back on this experience and 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 realize just how tough it is and realize what it takes in order to maintain their their position and their level on a team and i think they're doing a good job so far yeah and they're playing Don't ever kid yourself either kyle clifford has a huge 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 veteran presence on that yeah. fourth line in that dressing room and with those kids that are playing on that line with him and and yes. all the way up and down that lineup um you know you're talking about 700 games you're talking about a guy that's been around understands it and and, and he yeah <laughs> hello uh, he knows what it takes he knows what it's about and his experience in that dressing room, and not only that, but on that fourth line, is absolutely huge. And you know, Craig Ruby's absolutely loving. And I, you know, I'm not saying Doug Armstrong didn't think of it, and I really don't know who did. I don't care, but I'm telling you right now, when Doug Armstrong either came to Craig Ruby or Craig Ruby went to Doug Armstrong and said, "Kyle Clifford," uh, in the summertime, you know, they're darn happy that they got that guy in their lineup today. Heck yeah. You know, a uh, couple of things before we wrap up the uh, toughest show uh, in the league, Blues edition for the Brawl Network. Uh, Vili Husso, I mentioned him earlier, getting a little bit more playing time again. No one thinks Vili Husso is going to replace Jordan Bennington. Obviously, Jordan Bennington is your guy here. But nice to see the emergence of Vili Husso to gain a little bit more consistency here. But uh, a point I want to make is I, I'm going to call it Jake Allen syndrome. Okay, it seems as if Billy Huso has developed Jake Allen syndrome from all those years of watching Jake Allen, where you leave a game saying, "Boy, he made some great stops. Boy, he held them in there early." 
But then you look at how the team lost the game, and it's usually on a soft one. And it's really, really unfortunate because those of us who watch the game uh, maybe on a little bit deeper level than those who, who kind of just, you know, oh, the guy stopped 32 of 34. That must be a really good night. And look what he did in the first period. Okay, well, yeah, your goalie can play really, really well and still lose you a hockey game. It was the case with Jake Allen. It was why his backup was always uh, the guy. And Jake never really was when he, he was, you know, when his teams had success. It was always the other guy. It wasn't him. But uh, I, I worry a little bit that Billy Huso kind of has that same tendency in that he tends to give up the big weak goal at the biggest moments, Lou. Obviously, we saw in overtime against San Jose. We've seen it early in games where he's gotten, you know, he's letting up a, a soft one early in games. And Losey will speak to this after we hear from Lou. But we know that's hard for a, a, a guys on the bench to overcome because then you tighten up, obviously. But, Lou, you seeing the same thing as I'm seeing with Billy Huso here? Again, obviously, uh, young kid getting making his way in the league but, and playing well. But a little bit of the Jake Allen tendency here. Um. It's an understandable comparison, but yeah, I wasn't uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of the overtime goal. I thought it was a very very stoppable. If you, if you want to use that word, it was a very stoppable shot. <clears throat> and yeah, he's got a he's got to kind of get over the yips of uh, giving up that one nothing lead on the first or second shot of a game. I mean, he finally did it the other night, but. Uh, um, I'm going to go back to when I first, when the Blues were first getting a look at him, I was in Washington. They were playing a preseason game there. And I thought, I literally that night came away thinking, this guy's going to be their next number one goalie. Because he was at, Washington played their top guns. They played Ovechkin. They played Oshie. They played Backstrom. They played Kuznetsov. All their big guns that night. And Billy Huso shut them out. I mean, beat them four to nothing. That was actually the night that uh, Robbie Fabry played. Right. We never saw him the rest of the year again. But, yeah, we were in Washington that night, and he was lights out. And I'm thinking, yeah, I like really like what I see here. And then you see what he did in San Antonio, and you're, the numbers are kind of like, eh, okay. And then Jordan Bennington passes him up because he's hurt, and now he finally gets his chance. And you're thinking, is this guy going to be it? But I'm going to – I under. I'm going to be a little patient here with him because yeah, it's, they've got to play him, but just going back to the mindset the other night, I don't care what Craig, Craig Berube can look at us until he's blue in the face. The only reason Billy Huso played the other night is because they didn't want any, they didn't want any shenanigans up with the Sharks <laughs> after, after Bennington's exit from that game a week and a half ago or whatever that right. I, he can tell me all they want. This was the plan. They had this all along. no, He's talking about everybody's got to leave it out on the ice. Everybody's got to empty the tank tonight because we're going to have the next three days off. Well, damn it, doesn't that include your number one goalie? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. I just, I just think that. Um, I think it was a good move because I think that I, I, I know, I just watched Jordan Bennington, and I would not be surprised if he didn't Do find a way to get at. Like he's not going to let anybody, but like he, that guy's got ice running through his veins. Yeah. So, uh, I, I thought it was a great move by uh, Barubi to not start Jordan, allow the the, the tempers to flare. Um, right. Like Rapper alluded, they don't have to play these guys a whole lot more. They've got some other guys on the docket that they need to get after, but uh, which will allow that whole incident to kind of lay down. But as far as uh, Huso goes, 
100% the jury's got to be out on this guy. Uh, again, yep. and I hate to get into the emotional side or the, the the mental side of what goaltenders go through. I'll just say Dwayne Ralston, who I played with and against, he was 30 years old before he made the NHL, right. and he played till he was like, what, 49 or something? It wasn't that <laughs> much. I'm totally kidding. But it, he was in his 40s and yeah. taking the Edmonton Oilers to the Stanley Cup Finals. So um, it, goaltenders are a little bit of a different breed. And um, they are. So it, it, Damn it, right. obviously we have one on our on our line. Well, at least he <laughs> says he is. I've never seen him. I'm but not, we'll find yeah, out here soon, Aaron. I love nice skates. But, you know, with Huso, we totally got to let the jury be out on him. He's got to settle in. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's still moments where this guy was on deeper on the depth chart, you know, than Bennington. And Bennington, you know, one of the best goalies in the NHL now. So there's a little bit of mindset where he's like, man, what the hell happened here? Three years ago, I was the man, and now this guy is. So uh, there has to be a little bit of that. Um, and I'll tell you what, there's something to be said about being the last line of defense, boys. I, and I don't know whether it's just me and my goaltending buddies. Tough guys and goaltenders always seem to be really good buddies. Um, Sitting on the bench but together. I, I, just, I, just, I just have a, I have a soft spot for him because – you know, it's so, you know, a guy makes a mistake at the blue line and doesn't get a puck out in the danger zone and the goalie makes a huge save. It's like, oh, yeah. he's supposed to do that. The goalie right. lets a weak one in on on 31 of 32 shots or the 32 of the 34th shots, the one that bites him in the ass. Man, that's a lot. Then there's no other guy on that team that has to live in that scrutiny. Not one guy. So I, I got a little bit of empathy for those guys, and I think he's played real well this year. I think he's working towards his game. I think he's um, obviously been a great teammate. He knows he's a number two guy now. He's getting his opportunity to play in the National Hockey League, and I, I really feel like he's done a pretty good job. And I think he deserves an opportunity to kind of show what he got before he, we, we castrate him out like we did uh, Jake Allen for multiple reasons, well, yeah, contracting I, I, one of them. No one, yeah, that? Let, let me add to that real quick. Um, Reed, when you say last line of defense, and that draws me back to game seven of the cup final. You think the Blues, any of those guys thought they were losing that game after the way Jordan nope. Bennington played in the first period? Yeah, no, no way. No, the first, Not a first, the, the first five minutes, the saves he made in the first five minutes, they're like, all right, boys, all we got to do is get a couple. This right. guy's got the cage closed, right? Like yes. that, like, I was saying that, and I wasn't even on the team. You know what I mean? I'm watching it from uh, – top shooters in the uh, simulator golf bay and we're going absolute bananas because he's absolutely standing on his head and you know that's the kind of ice that runs through his veins and if that's in that that, that you know there's going to take some time for for huso to try and acclimate himself in the national hockey league he knows he's not getting a number one job in st louis anytime soon right and so really he's just playing to be a good number two and maybe get an opportunity to show that he can potentially be a number one goalie i haven't seen that so far i'm not saying that um he's not i'm just saying that you know he's gonna he's gonna be a little bit of a work in progress as far as trying to be a number one goalie in the national hockey league someday as long as he's letting those weak ones in uh before we get to our questions from twitter to wrap up the blue segment of the show Lozy, you've got some fun stuff coming up you've got a great company uh, that you actually you've got many great companies, but the one uh, that we're talking about today, obviously we know about the beverage company, but uh, you do a lot of live events as well. You've got a pretty cool one coming up, and you've got a uh, real good friend of the show uh, that's helping you out on the truck side as well. Why don't you tell us all about it? Yeah, so um, super excited. I've been working with the Blues alumni uh, for the last couple of years. Um, 
at, on building events and doing that kind of stuff and decided to kind of take it off into my own. Obviously, I'm still going to be working with the alumni. I'm on the board of directors, but uh, oh, started my own 34 events company. And we've got our first uh, event coming up uh, next week or next week, uh, next Friday, March 19th at Top Shooters in Columbia, Illinois. Um, Tim Wheeler, one of my good buddies and his wife, Nikki, um, they have a really, really unbelievable bar there. Like it, it's so much fun. Me and Jeremy Rutherford used to do the lowdown when we were on 590, the fan back in 08, 09 from there. All right. So I have I've to interrupt you real up. quick. I have to interrupt your live read. I'm so sorry, but I don't even think you remember this because JR didn't. But my very first thing that I did at 590 outside of the sales team was uh, I was intern that set up your and JR's podcast out of Top Shooters, just so you know. Young 25-year-old Dave Rapp was on your team and you didn't even know. Creepers, creepers. That's insane. No, I did not know that. Uh, I feel bad, uh, but I'm glad that we're still friends about it. So my apologies. Uh, But we're we're having a long drive and a close to the pin. Um, We're going to have different courses uh, in these simulators. These things are unbelievable. They're the best of the best. And I just wanted to put something together. Um, there's over $4,000 in prizes and giveaways that we're going to get. It's 250 bucks a guy. You get entered into both. We're following the uh, kind of the March Madness type of thing. So it's not just that guy that drives the ball the longest. You actually play against a guy and that guy advances. you got to beat the next guy. So for us, it was more important to have more of a competition like that than to just have one guy that takes a couple swings and then everybody has to beat him. You actually have to beat individual guys along the way for both the long drive, and the closest to pin. Uh, for that $250, you get both uh, entered into the long drive and the closest to the pin. Um, you get two minutes, as many shots as you can take in two minutes, uh, and then your best one registers. You go against that guy, uh, and away you go. Um, there's going to be uh, Pink Whitney uh, is one of our big sponsors, um, which is super excited about that because I drink a lot of Pink Whitney and water. Um, so that's cool. Even though those guys from Barstool Sports don't want me on their podcast, they got like 400 episodes and I still haven't been on there. They've got like guys in the East Coast League that they've had on there, but they haven't had me on there. So that's a little bit weird. Not sure what's going on there. We'll have to talk to them. Um, but we're really excited about it. Uh, my business partner, John Bach, and I, again, with Top Shooters family, Nicole and Tim Wheeler, um, really working hard to try and really take this thing off. We're going to take it to another level. It starts at four registrations at four. Um, if you go to my uh, Facebook page or uh, read low 34 page, all the information's on there to get in contact with us. If you want to be a part of it, we do have about 10 spots left. We just announced it two days ago. So it's been filling up quickly. Don't waste any time. Um, but one of the cooler parts is uh, Cam Jansen and Jim Campbell are going to be there in the tournament with me. Uh, the blues play that night. Um, so we're going to be finished the tournament by the time the game's played. And then in the first intermission, we're going to have a, a little uh, panel uh, visit. And uh, my my good buddy, Jeremy Rutherford, who's actually cousins with Nikki Wheeler, um, he's going to come out and he's going to run the round table and we're going to talk some hockey. So we're really trying to gather as many fans as we can to come out, support the Blues, um, you know, support top shooters and, uh, and just have a really good night and uh, super excited about it. Um, and another part of that that, that kind of um, comes into this is, is Bob Brockland, GMC. They, uh, they, I've, uh, I've worked out a partnership with them and I've been driving a couple of their used trucks around and, and sold a couple of these bad boys. And uh, right now I'm driving these uh, Jeep Gladiator. This thing's got like a $6,000 lift kit on it. It's like 3,000 miles on it. This thing is like un- 
believable. I feel like I could drive over cars with it, although I Keep probably it. shouldn't. Hey, Lou, I should not drive over it. But um, just been working with them. Uh, the one reason why I when I started talking to Bobby about this and what I love about it is, you know, these guys are small business. They got one small little dealer. Um, they, you know, they don't compete with all the hugest dealers around because they deal in customer service. And for me, that's something that we've lost in our wayside along, along the way here. Everybody's driven by price, Walmart, Amazon, cheap, 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 right? Um, for me, there's still something to be said about a family dealership that has customer service. You need a car, you have issues, they're there to deal with you. You're not just taking a number off. You're not just buying everything online. You walk in, you have friendship. Um, you have a relationship. And I think that in our world today, we get away from that a little bit. And so when I started talking to Bobby about this, it was important for me to know what it's like as I work, deal with these guys and and have helped them sell a couple of vehicles to some people that I know. And so for me, it was important to make sure that we understand that, okay, you spend a couple more dollars at a smaller dealership like Brooklyn, um, chances are they're going to be very competitive with you to begin with. But um, don't overlook these guys because uh, the relationship that they're going to handle you with is a lot different than some of the bigger dealerships for me. And that's just my thought process where I go to when I'm looking at, at who I'm going to buy my vehicles with. Because when something goes wrong, I don't want that guy to be taillight service and above Brooklyn uh, GMC. That's the last thing they are. They stand with you. They rock with you. And it's been really fun working with them um, and selling some cars. You know, I'm just driving used vehicles around, sending them in, and they just boom. Next thing you know, I'm driving another vehicle. So um, if you haven't seen the Sierra truck, though, boys, I am telling you, that new Sierra V8, uh, 6.2 liter, these things are absolutely ridiculous. Uh, they've got, I think there's like 20 camera angles on these things. They're unbelievable. So um, just really good to be involved in that, hanging out with Bobby. He's obviously a big sponsor uh, of next Friday night. And we're just excited to get out there and introduce uh, uh, and introduce the event company. And, and, and again, as we start talking over the next few weeks, I'll kind of start to introduce all the different things. We've got three or four different things that we're going to be planning on doing. So um, it's just exciting to get back out there and be a part of the community for me, because that's really where my passion is. There you go. And uh, get out there, support the cause. Top Shooter is a great place. I am probably going to make my triumphant return to Top Shooter's. Uh, I will put the I will put it on the line right now. I think I'm Tim's favorite compared to you, Cam, and Jr. I think I'm his number one. Everyone knows it, and I'll show you that when I get out there on Friday. I'm his favorite. If guy. there's one thing we've learned He's from your high me, school hockey career, you're not number one in anything. Oh, that's not true, sir. I'm number one in a lot of things. I just can't talk about oh, them in a man. public forum. <laughs> Uh, like on the most wanted list, uh, for a large portion of my life. <laughs> That's so about you all go. you are. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, now that we've heard all about, uh, what Losey's got going on, uh, Lou, we had some, uh, some interaction from the Twitter folks again. Uh, what do we got going on Twitter tonight? Listen, guys, either, either, what did we do? Did we piss people off last week with a, with some of these questions? I only got four of them so far. Either either we pissed somebody off or I suck. Or we kind of just tweeted them out last minute, five seconds well, before we went on the air. So. That shouldn't matter, man. <laughs> right. But producer on this know. show sucks, man. Hey, listen. He's fired. Listen, somebody I better fire him. I guess it's me, man. <laughs> I don't know, but we've I'll got some good some. ones though. I, I I see some uh, some decent oh, ones there's here. There's a couple of them. I'm gonna go. Well, there's no, there's only four of them here, so we might as well hit them. I mean, this first one's a little. I was kind of laughing at this one. Not, not a, I don't mind you asking the question. I just, 
think it's far fetched from uh, Rich F. Name is Potato underscore thirty three. Potato Any underscore thirty three. That's a good. That's one. his Twitter he's, handle. But he's uh, sour, but potato being <laughs> gender neutral. Oh boy! Is there any chance the Blues build a package for Eichel? Army is the king of fleecing teams. I will answer this with one word: No. <laughs> if why would Buffalo ever take Doug's call ever again? <laughs> Just like, <laughs> nope. We, it's, it's too like, risky to even talk to you. You're that no, girl in no, school. They, we can't even uh, risk every it. Every single person in the Buffalo Sabres franchise has Doug Armstrong on block. Right, blocked. There, you can't <laughs> even. True. Nobody's taking phone calls there. They're not allowed to talk to him ever again. Yeah, I hear the owners but, are about what? to put here, that whole team fellas, on block by selling it. Bottom line, though, even even if the Blues were to enter the 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 zone, the universe of a conversation like that, the you got to figure the centerpiece or centerpieces for a Jack Eichel trade is going to involve. Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. That's just that's just for starters. I don't okay? even think they've won Thomas. I, I, if you were to ask me that question, it's, it's I would Kyrou say it's probably it. going to be Cairo and Parenko. Ooh, I don't know Parenko. They're gonna they're gonna they're well. When you take a look at what Eichel is and and how he plays and what he means to a franchise, they're gonna want to they're gonna want to rebuild on the way back. Yeah, but the leverage, they're gonna want to rebuild the, lev- from both the cat's ends. out of the bag on that. There's no leverage. Buffalo has no leverage. It's it's moving Eichel because they have to. And the Pogulias are sure. rumored to put the are being rumored to put that that team on the block, so it's gonna be a salary dump on top of it. Uh, they're gonna have no leverage. I don't uh, Pareko, even in the grand scheme of things, is a better player overall for what he brings to a team than Jack Eichel. And I think if you wanted I think if you were go- doing a, a deal with Pareko Buffalo would have to sweeten the pot on their end to get Pareko. I don't think it would be vice versa. I couldn't disagree with you more. The uh, Now, the fact that there's a hot seat or there's not a hot seat doesn't matter because how many more years until Eichel's unrestricted? So he's not going right. anywhere unless Buffalo says he can. So there's no hot seat there where he's at, where there's an unrestricted free agency. Oh, yeah, because an athlete's never forced his way out of town year. before, right? An athlete's never done that. But at the end of the day, they don't have to do anything is what I'm saying. And I'm not saying that I want them to trade Pranko because I know how rapper you love to take things I say, <laughs> jumble them up in a pot and then try and spit them out with things I don't mean. So oh, I just want to make sure I'm clarified right. here. I'm just saying Jack Eichel is a guy that is he one of the top five players in the National Hockey League? How many times do you think? Uh, no, he's not. He's not I, even close. He's not. OK, so where, where is he? Where, where, where does he? I don't even know if he's in my top 20. He's not even in your top 20. Probably not. Yeah. Guess how many and, times he scored 30 goals. That, on top of that, guys, I just looked at it. He still has five years and a $10 million right. cap hit for the next five years after this season. And guess how many times in six years he scored 30 goals? One time. Last year, right? One time. 36. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and obviously, it's five years, he not sucks. six years. This year is the He's the worst years. hockey player I've ever seen. No one's saying that, but I, I, <laughs> listen, if you tell me right now you I'm can have kidding. Colton Pareko or you can have Jack Eichel, I'm taking Colton Pareko every I didn't day say, I didn't say that I was doing it. I didn't say that yeah, from a GM standpoint. I, I said they were asking. They, If I was a GM asking for my franchise player, I would want one of your top defensemen and I'd want one of your top for, forwards. Like that, that's – that's what I would want if I'm trading my captain away. I'm not saying they're going to get it. Again, that's where we're going to find out when it does happen or it doesn't happen. But I'm just saying that was my point being made is that I, I think they're going to want a centerpiece to the trade. And if I'm 
you know, a team, depending on who they are, right? You're going to either look to draft picks and you're going to rebuild like that, or you're going to look to rebuild through players. And obviously their draft picks haven't worked out for them and neither have their trades. So Buffalo's should just blow their rink up and never go back. <laughs> well, well, they're think, in trouble. Think yeah. about this too, guys. You know, think about it. Um, again, it's, it's so far-fetched to even think about it, but if you add a Jack Eichel to the St. Louis Blues down the middle, you've got him at a $10 million cap hit. Ryan O'Reilly at seven and a half and Braden Shen at what? Six, six. plus six yeah. and a half. Yeah. That's a lot of Next money topic. tied in. Yeah. That's a, a lot of money tied in to three, your three center icemen. Then you'd be what was, your, what was your original comment? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm going to answer this one right now. Never happening. Yeah. Next topic. Exactly. Since we only had four questions, we had to waste a little bit of time. Not right. Feel right. All right. Way to give John it up, Lou, or Losey. Yeah, you can't let him know those things. We gotta. We we can't let him know how easy this is. John hey. Rose at J Rose one nine six wants to know who is Cairo comparable to in the NHL past or present? Read low. You have the floor. Oh, honestly, a, and I'm again. I, I hate. I hate castrated right off the bat by rap as soon as i say this guy's name so dave shut up and let me finish okay <laughs> so that i don't have to like argue with you before i make my point okay. i'm not saying he's this guy just the way that he kind of carries the puck the way that he skates he's got a long way to go before he gets this guy but he reminds me just what i've seen this year with how well he's played and again i'm not saying it but he just he reminds me a little bit of a joe Sackett. Oh, that's not who I was going with, but I was. Uh, that that's a good comparison. It is. Go ahead. I just Go feel ahead, like he's get it he, out of the he's way. Like, <laughs> he's 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 super skilled. Um, you know, Joe Sackick was a later on draft pick, and you know that was tough coming out of the Western Hockey League back in the '80s because small guys didn't get a chance. You know, you look at the Theo Furries. I tell Terry Yake all the time. Man, if you would have been drafted in 2005, you'd have made $100 million in your career. But the fact that you were drafted in 1987, like nobody knows is about Terry Yake. Oh, I know. His last year in the yeah. Western Hockey League, he was third in the Western Hockey League in scoring with 142 yeah. points next to uh, Theron Fleury and Joe Sackick, who had a, who tied that year at 160. Yaker was one of the, is still one of the most skilled guys I've ever seen play. But because of that size part, he just, you know, and he, he, you know, he's just not the toughest player ever, where Theo Fleury was like a fairly tough player from that and battled through it and was a little bit of a more, had a little bit more of a feisty streak. But little I really, when I look at Joe Sackick and the way Joe Sackick used to play and how he used to have a heads up game and he had a goal scoring shot and he had the ability to pass the puck and dish and just his heads up game, a really young um, Kairou, I that's who I envision. I, I'll, I, I'm, this question excites me because. The first time I saw Jordan Cairo really start to come out of his shell this year, I, I thought to myself, one of the favorite, my most favorite hockey players of all time. Uh, I immediately thought Martin St. Louis. I, I'm the way he gets the puck through the neutral zone. Obviously, as far as the passing side is concerned, Martin St. Louis was just an elite passer. I don't know that Jordan Cairo will ever be on that level, but just started thinking, little guy with speed. Who, who's not afraid to take the zone. He, he'll take guys, bigger guys on, one-on-one, -on -one, try to beat him, try to use his speed. You know, the other guy that well, comes... Wasn't Marty St. Louis a little more feistier, though? No, like, not really. Way more feisty. Guy? I mean, That's what kind I of. Thought. 
But here's the thing. We don't know how feisty Jordan Kyrie is going to be. And he plays for a guy like Craig Berube, who's going to expect you to bring that side of things. So that brings me to my second guy who don't I look at. Don't expect that from Kyrie. Do well, not ex- No. Well, not here's, a chance. Here's the other thing. I don't. Here's the other guy I think of. Again, and if you're going to take the toughness factor out of this, go ahead. And you can carve up that with the toughness factor. I do like the Martin St. Louis comparison. But I also kind of like the Pat Verbeek uh, comparison that is in the back of my head, too. Because... Pat was a guy who could kind of fit with anybody. Obviously, he was feisty when he had to be, but you look at the way he played when he was with Detroit and, and what he was able to bring there. But just a just a smaller guy with with a little bit of game that could... Uh, obviously, I think Kyrie's a lot faster than Verbeek was, but Verbeek could put the puck in the back of the net. He wasn't scared to play uh, heads-up hockey with a guy who was bigger than him, and that's what I see out of out of uh, Kyrie. So I think that's why the San Louis and the Verbeek uh, is sticking out to me, also probably because they're all three of them are short. Uh, so I'm probably just being a heightist at this point, but uh, those are the two guys that stand out for me. But honestly, I don't know. I mean, it'd, it'd kind of be tough. Sackick's not. I actually not a terrible comparison. I was quiet only because well, I was wait trying a minute, to wait a minute. Trying to think it. of my is own. He, are you but, agreeing? Is I don't think it's a great some, comparison. Some love I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's okay. It's better than the things that normally get said. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, I uh, Sackick's a good one. Sackick's a good one. I just don't uh, the speed factor for me. I, I don't think Sackick was as fast than, as Kyrie. He's better than you than your well, yeah. picks. I tell you that. Maybe, maybe. I can't wait All to right. hear what Lou. So, has here's to the say. thing: First you off, Lou, you're comparing uh, Lou, him to Joe Sackick, one of the greatest players in a Hall of Famer. I'm comparing Listen, him to I'm a realistic saying, expectation. I didn't say was. I just said the way he skates and the way he carries himself and the way that he plays the game. I did not say he's a Hall of Famer. I did not say he's going to be Joe Sackick. I just said when I look at Kyrie's skate, I see Sackick. That's what I see. I hope you're so, right. Joe, Lou, Lou, before you answer who you think is, who's more right, me or rapper? Well, you, of course. Oh, there you Thank go. Thank you. Well, there you go. Get more out, right. Dave. Rap, you're still all right. Losey, Losey, you can be more right. I'll be correct. <laughs> well, since now you we guys, got a grammar contest. Well, since you guys delved <laughs> into players of the past, which is a good thing, I like that. I I have somebody in mind more of the present, and you might. Well, he's hated in this town, obviously, but I see Patrick Kane tendencies in Jordan Cairo. I really I like do. That. Um, I don't know if you guys agree with that or not. I but do, 100%. Just that that shiftiness, that deceptive – I think Kyra's a little more – I think Kyra's more quicker. But you see when Patrick Kane's got the puck, how people just back off and respect, you know, what just – Scared. He, yep. Yeah, I mean, he, they are scared. he's got that – explode. he could just explode on you in an instant. And I kind of – and I really see that out of Kyra. Same thing with that shot. Very underrated, and I don't know if people really value Patrick Kane's shot as much as they should. Um, again, we're talking about a Chicago Blackhawk, but you got to respect the guy's game. He's just played his thousandth game the other night, but and I'm not saying Jordan Cairo again. Kind of like you guys, I'm not going to say he's going to be such and such player. I'm not going to say he's going to be Patrick Kane, but I just kind of see some of those tendencies that. Kane has in Jordan Cairo's game and and if he has any kind of production and any kind of tendencies of a Patrick Kane I don't think how that could be a bad thing yeah no I like the Patrick Kane way better than the Joe Sackick one so that's good that's that's a good one that's way Marty, better. Marty, Marty, Reed, 
That Cairo reminds me nothing. I look more like Jordan Cairo than uh, uh, Martin Saint Louis. We'll okay? see. We'll see. You're right. So I don't know where I don't know where I, you got that except one for the from, fact but. that they're the same height. They're both really really fast. They both are offensively, uh, you know, a high high end offensive player. They look nothing right. alike. You're right. They, they play really nothing mean. alike. You know, you're okay, you're you a seven-string goalie. You yeah, played against Martin St. Louis. I never did, so I obviously I have to refer so to you. So I would you know, and I played against Joe Sackick, actually. He shadowed me Obviously, you played against Joe Sackick. We've good. talked about it. But again, I would refer to you because you played against the two, so there you go. You win this one. <laughs> All right, fellas, the William Wallace. Eight out of ten is coming for your ass, though. I can promise you that. True Braveheart wants to know, does Colton Pareko play again this year? Sure hope so, Lozy. Sure the hell hope so, because I don't think they got a... Uh, Apparently he's getting traded to the Buffalo Sabres for right. I don't know. <laughs> you, you know what? I heard that too. I don't know what podcast, but I heard that too. I heard it too. Uh, but yeah, I sure hope he plays Lozy because, you know, I don't think they have a... Uh, they don't have a shot in hell without that guy. So I, it's no, that simple. sure don't. No. It's- I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, he, uh, again, I, 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 I'm not down there. Lou, you'd probably answer this question better. Um and I'm not sure what kind of inside information you'd like to divulge on whether you think he's going to be back or not, but um, they need him back, man. He's, he's a, he's a big part of it. And, you know, he was kind of getting a little scrutiny there, but obviously he was in in pain and and for whatever reason, you know, he wasn't playing to the best of his ability. And man, when you're hurting, it's really hard to play. And he's such a good dude. He's so great in our town. Like everybody, like this guy is as genuine as the day is long. Um, you know, we miss 55. That's for sure. Well, I can say this fellas. Um, and I know Jr. put the, you know, he put the info out there and me personally, and this is something I wanted to address later on, but I, I, just from a player's perspective, I, I didn't, I didn't think it was right for me to be putting out the information that he's dealing with. You know, I don't know if it's necessarily herniated or bulging disc in his back, but that's that's kind of what's going on here. And um, to be honest with you, um, that could be dicey, man. It really can be. I've I've heard situations where if we're talking surgery with this, that is a pain in the ass surgery to have to go through. And obviously, if if that's that's the last resort for from the Blues' perspective, and if they have to go down that venue, then obviously he's shut down for the year. There's not a chance he's playing this year. Um, they're hoping that rest and you know just maybe some of the inflammation that's been going on there will do him some good. Um, but other than that, guys, they've really you know kind of kept this all pretty mum, and uh, I'll just leave it at that. And it's uh, it's it, it's a tough situation, and and it's something that kind of came up all of a sudden on him. It wasn't something that he was dealing with before this year, but uh, boy, that's those back injuries. I don't read. I don't know if you've ever had to deal with anything like that, or I'm sure you've played with guys that have dealt with back injuries, but they can be a pain in the ass from from everything that I'm told. Yeah, Lozy injured well, his back watching Joe Sack skate right by him early. You didn't know about that, but that happened. <laughs> Injured his back. At least I had the ability to watch Joe Sackick skate. I watched Joe Sackick play just as much as you did from the You didn't even have a a fourth line high schooler score on you, so you should shush. Listen, here's Um, the deal. Here's the deal. I bet if we went back and looked at the minutes log, I would be surprised if you actually ever did play against Martin St. Louis or Joe Sackick, or if you were just watching them from the bench. I was just a few rows up from you at Scott Trade Center. That's all. Listen, uh, there was multiple times. 
when I was on the ice with Joe Sackett because he was shadowing me. I already told you that. That's pretty impressive, man. When I was on the ice, Joe Sackett was stuck to me like shit on a blanket. There you go. Why not? Wow. Right. That's Why pretty not? impressive. You gotta be as far as back as far as back injury goes, uh, they're terrible, man. They're yeah. they're especially when you're when you're in the best shape of your life yeah. and your back still isn't working and there's nothing you can do. And you know, when you have bulging discs or inflammation, you know, that inflammation pushing that disc out there and it's touching the spinal cord, it, yep. there's nothing worse. It's like sharp pain, it's like somebody knifing you in the back and um, you know, when you're trying to play through that is, is bad. And then when you're trying to heal from it, you feel like there's nothing you can do. You kind of feel like, a, you know, like you're not tough. You feel like, man, what's wrong with me? But then you go to take a movie. It's like, it's like you like almost right. lock mm-hmm. up. And so, yeah. um, unfortunately for him, I, lo- I really hope that he doesn't have to have surgery, especially at his age with, um, yeah. you know, back surgery. That's the last thing that that guy wants to do. Um, so hopefully they exhaust themselves with um, whatever it is that they can figure out and find out to make that better. But um, I'm telling you right now, back injuries are not good injuries to have in any way, shape, or form, I, even if you're not a professional athlete. Yeah, I am not a professional athlete, obviously. I just am friends with them and talk to them on the radio and podcast. I've had, I'm 37 years old. I've had two back surgeries already, and uh, it's... It's it's not fun. Mine were minor back surgeries uh, in the grand scheme of things, still, but they're they take it out of you, man. I've I've had the two back surgeries. I've had the femur. I've had the hip. I've had the shoulder and the rotator cuff completely redone, and I've had two knees done. So I'm approaching the double. Are you digits. a hypochondriac, or did you do something to hurt yourself, buddy? Some of us fight and play hockey, and some of us talk <laughs> about it on podcast. Okay, I got hurt doing what I had to do. All right. He was setting his microphone up and straight his back and then uh, surgery. You know what? Someone's <laughs> got to do it, right? Someone's got to do it. All right, fellas, I saved the best for last here because I think this is a very interesting question and it's been broached many, many times here in the last, I don't know, six months to a year. Uh, same one. Thank you, William Wallace, for chiming in and asking these last two questions. But does Jaden Schwartz have a position long-term with this team love the guy but staying healthy is not his forte what do you think reed oh so hard um you know because when when he's playing he's such a great player and he's so so integral in any organization the blues are lucky to have this guy but you know, obviously, you know, the one game comes to mind is the is the Winnipeg game from the from the first round of the Stanley Cup finals the year they won the cup. Like and just I, I don't know what the numbers were, but I think he that had whole first nine round or ten he goals was, yeah. in the playoffs and had that same nine or ten goals in the regular season, right? right? He clawed the muted. And he's just he's just the gamer type of guy. He's a, he's a guy that you want in your lineup, he's gonna play hard, he's gonna be feisty. He's going to do the little things that you ask. He's going to lead by example. He's going to have that great backside pressure. He's going to make sure that he makes good plays. Um, but he's been injured a lot in his career in the National Hockey League, and and that sucks. But, um, you know, when you do get him at his best, it's sure nice to have him on your team. So I, I, I really think that they've got some choices to make when it comes to this organization because, you know, they've got a few guys that are going to need to get paid. So you just can't start loading your team with, you know, eight and ten four to $7 million contracts like a lot of these teams have in the past. And you see what the Chicago Blackhawks are going through right now. So um, at the end of the day, San Jose uh, Sharks. 
Yeah, it's a perfect example. So um, I, I think that they're going to be, you know, cautiously optimistic, and you know, Swartz is going to go and, and 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 chase some money, and and so he should. Well, that's what I was going to put to you, Reed. He's going to be a free agent this year. Here, this will put it in better context. He's going to be 29 years old, coming off a 5.35 million dollar cap hit. You know damn well he's going to want to raise. Just based off of that, 29, he's going to be getting a raise off of that cap hit. Now, what do you say? Give me a give me a ballpark average. I don't need you to research, but just give me a ballpark average of what his average game per season he's played in his career. Is it well, sixty plus? Oh boy, I don't know. Uh, if you're talking about the career average, um, I'm just. I would say he's in that. Yeah, I mean, he's played. Well, his first year, you can you can wipe that yeah. off because he came on at the end. That was seven games. So here's his career by rundown: forty-five, and that was obvious. So he played 45 out of the 48 games that year. It was the lock. It was the lockout year. Played 80 games: 75, 33, 78, 62, 69, and 71. That's before this year. So, so I guess when I look clean. at those, when I look at those numbers, I don't. I, you know, other obviously he played 30 some games the one season, and then there yeah. was the 43. He played 45 out of 48. Whatever. I. I you know. I, Maybe it's just the injuries he's had were significant enough that yeah. they made you. But when you're looking at stats and when you're trying to take a look at what this is going to happen, I, I still think that the Blues have a really tough time putting him back in their lineup. I really do. Um, it, it's He's going to want a raise. He probably deserves a raise. And I probably think he's going to be looking to try and get somewhere in that six, six and a half, seven million bucks a year, especially as an understood agent and, yeah. You know, that's the type of thing where there's a team that's going to go out and they're going to try and snaggle tooth a guy like that. You know, uh, St. Louisans are as much as they're unbelievable fans and they love their players, especially their alumni players. I love like one of the coolest things ever. They're really scrutinized the players for you. Know, you miss four games of injury. They're like, oh, he's injured all the time. You right. Know, like very dramatic. They lose two games in a row. It's the worst losing streak in the history of the team. Uh, and that just comes from their passion and their love for the game of hockey and their love for the blue notes. So I get it and I understand it, but I just don't see how the blues can manage to try and sign him knowing that he's 29 years old. Someone's going to give him seven or eight years. No problem. You want to have another guy like that where you're unsure, man, that's a tough one. I, I, I really find it hard for them to lock him up. I think it's going to be more him wanting to go out and, and uh, and chase that mighty contract that these guys try and get in their in their unrestricted free agent year. I don't think Jaden Schwartz is going to have a ton of suitors out there trying to offer him more than the Blues are going to offer him. I'll just put it that way. This isn't a knock on Jaden Schwartz, but all the reasons that you guys are talking about are the exact reasons. Oh, why I'm going to stop you right have... there. Don't, don't. That's a really broad comment. Okay, so you know what are the Blues going to offer him, and what is he turning down from everybody else? Like you can't just say, oh, I don't think they're going to do. Give me some, give me some numbers. Like you don't think you don't think he's going to get at least a five three five that he's doing right now. Well, oh, as an unrestricted free here's agent, here's the deal. As an unrestricted free agent this year, you don't think I that whenever that. free agency happens, I didn't that someone's not going to give him a a I didn't six say year. That. Six million dollar contract or an eight year six million dollar contract I for what? I don't. Say I'm that. not great at math. Forty eight million. You don't think someone's going to do that? I didn't say that. I didn't say anything. Guarantee they will. I don't. I don't think the Blues are signed. Matt like wanting to negotiate that with them. Are they? You think the Blues are going to give him an eight year six million dollar average? I think they could. 
And I think I they think might. Lou, I'll be honest with you guys. I think he's going to want what Braden Shen got. Six million bucks. And what's that, that again? Six million bucks. How much is that again? Six million. Uh, he got is that six million bucks. Yeah, eight years at about six, six and a half yeah. per year. A AAV is Braden okay. Shen. Yeah. So you're going to have that. You're going to have, uh, you know, you got to, you know, who else we got at that? We got O'Reilly in that in that number. O'Reilly's you, up the year know. after. Tarasenko's up the year after. Your window is closing. You have to do something. The cap is going to go up at some point. There is going to be more money to spend. Other guys know, are going to fall I, off. You're going to be able to right, make so moves. I'm going to follow up this question for you, rapper. You haven't let me finish it the first time yet. You haven't let me finish it the first time yet. I got like well, one was sentence so in. I had to stop you. There you go. Thanks. Um... <laughs> But no, I as I was originally saying, I don't know that there's going to be a ton of teams out there. I didn't say there wasn't going to be any teams out there. In Canada, there might be a problem with listening to complete sentences. In America, we hear each other out. Okay? Oh, yeah. Because that's America what we do here in America. So listening All right? friendly. So uh, <laughs> you might hate Americans and America. I love America and Americans. I root for us here as Americans, and because of that, I hear out my fellow man, because that's what we're taught to do. Um, but no, I don't think there's going to be a ton of teams out there. And when Jaden Schwartz is left with the decision of chasing an extra $500,000 a year, $700,000 a year, maybe even a million, or staying in St. Louis and playing for a guy he knows adores him in Craig Berube in a place where he already won a cup. And let's not forget the things that have gone on in Jaden Schwartz's personal life, losing a sister, losing a father now, okay? It's just uh, it's just him and his brother, basically, now. They got to take care of mom. Maybe he wants to stay where things are comfortable, okay? We know one of his best friends in the entire world is going to be here for the next eight years, Braden Shen. We just talked about it. So why is it so crazy to think that a guy who's been injury-prone in Jaden Schwartz might get just as much consideration as a guy who's been injury prone in Vladimir Tarasenko or anybody else that the case might be. Who's to say they don't move out another contract to make space for Jaden Schwartz? I can tell you right now, I've heard Berube uh, sing the praises of Jaden Schwartz in a way uh, that he doesn't sing the praises of other players. He thinks Jaden Schwartz is one of those guys that makes his kind of hockey work. And all I'm saying here, guys, is I wouldn't be shocked to see the Blues stay in on Jaden Schwartz. And I wouldn't see uh, be surprised to see Jaden Schwartz give the Blues a little bit of a hometown discount because, like I said, of what's happened in his personal life and the professional satisfaction he probably gets being a part uh, of a team like the St. Louis Blues, playing for a guy like Craig Berube and under a guy like Doug Armstrong. So let's hear you put holes in that, Lozy. Who do you hate more, Berube or Armstrong? What are you going to say now? Because you got nothing. You just got owned by a guy who was seventh string in high school, who played just <laughs> as many minutes uh, against star players as you did, and quite frankly, is going to own you eight to ten, eight out of ten in the shootout challenge. When we get a sponsored uh, person to take this thing on, which if it's Bob Brocklin, we'll see. But I'm going to need an equal cut. That's it. That's all I got. That's all I got for the show. And that's a wrap. Just, did you just wrap the show up, wrap? No, yeah. Did. I, I lost I, it. I, I can honestly say uh, I've never heard you talk so uh, elegantly and actually make sense. So I'm going to have to agree with the fact that um, if that's the case, I just know that the Blues have some contracts that they're going to need to sign. They'll have some guys that are going to need some money. And they've got a few long-term big deals where they're taking guys into their late 30s. Do you want to put another guy on that list? 
Uh, that's something for me that I'm not saying won't happen or that that couldn't happen. I'm just saying that for me, you got a lot of young talent that's going to need some money here in the next three or four years. Jordan, but Bennington. I, but I, but I, but I can't, I can't. You know, Bennington's right there, right? So um, it, it's just a, it's a little bit of a, it's a slippery slope. I, I think there's a better chance that they have to allow him to walk because somebody comes in and just absolutely throws it down like that. That argument that you gave was so good that, that you should send it to all the other teams because those GMs are going to be like, oh, my God, we got to have this guy. There you He's go. He's like the end-all, be-all. There you go. Well, boys, it was a pleasure as always. This was fun. Yeah. We went way too long. We got to do – we were supposed to do a uh, national hit for uh, the ESPN rights. We might have to save that for tomorrow or later in the week because I'm tired. It's about 11 o'clock here Central Time. We all got jobs to get to in the morning. Uh, so we're going to wrap it up for now. It's always a pleasure. Uh, again, big thanks to uh, Luke Korak and Reed Lowe for being a part of the show. As always, we couldn't do it without them. They're the talent. I'm just the guy who coordinates the Zoom meetings. Uh, so thanks for joining us, St. Louis. And until next time, we'll talk to you later.